Settle in, Thin Bloods. Grab a drink and your favorite set of dice, and let the darkness consume you. Welcome to Hannah Gave Me Fireside Chats. I have both of my wonderful friends and Gehenna Gaming co-founders with me this evening. Mark, Marchosius, fives instead of S's. <laughs> fives instead of S's. I'm still hunting that official Marchos at Marchosius Twitter account down. They, never they haven't tweeted since 2016. Say it every time. Report them. What did you say? Report them. I, I have. I said, I said that they stole my identity. <laughs> that doesn't fly. Uh, <laughs> and, of course, Rick, Def Malkavian. Nobody wants Def Malkavian. <laughs> I'm sure someone wanted Ravnos, but oh, well, I... no, probably not. No, probably not. No one wants to be a Ravnos. Anyway, tonight... Even, you, would, you would have taken Gangrel if you could. <laughs> if they were my favorite clan when I created my Twitter account the week Twitter was created, <laughs> yes, I probably would have done Gangrel, but at the time, Ravnos was my favorite clan. Oh my, so how cool. things change. Can I also say that ever since... Um... I've been using the the handle Marchosius. I've had some interesting people sliding into my DMs. Oh, because okay, because of the demon association. Uh, well, I've had I've had uh, a few people interested because of the demon association because it's obviously from the Goetia. By the way, uh, the tenth anniversary of Michelle Belanger's Dictionary of Demons is coming soon. Saw that very very soon. So keep watch for that. But. Um, some people interested in that um, and asking me as if I am said demon, which is flattering. <laughs> it's, I, it's kind of fourth wall breaking. Kind of. And there's apparently also, um, I guess, like a, a, a furry overlap. Because I've had a couple of interesting DMs from those. So they found you out. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> so your first Sona is a wolf with a what is a scorpion tail and yeah. snake tail and snake tail. vomits um, fire? Apparently I mean, there's also apparently there's also a furry of the same name. I mean, I that's know. a pretty rad persona. Okay, kind so of. embrace it. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. It's the furry part that I'm more concerned about than anything else. It's fine. It's fine. We don't judge. They seem harmless. So, but the furries, yeah, or me, the furries. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that said. Tonight's topic, I like how you're both wearing Gehenna Gaming shirts and I'm wearing a Wormwood shirt, by the way. Um, Threadli- uh, get GehennaGaming.threadless.com to get the family shirt. Or the Live, what is it? The Live, the live Laugh, laugh Diablerie. Diablerie, yes. Sorry. Yeah. It's technically grammatically incorrect, which only drives so, me insane. And no I, one does. I, I love that it's grammatically incorrect. It's the best. <laughs> I know you do. I, <laughs> I wore it to a, uh, a beach, uh, at a lake that I had with the family, and some teenage kid was like, Dude, that shirt rules, and I'm just like, thanks. I don't know if you know what this is about, but he... all right, that's so good. He might probably. I, I mean, 
He saw the bat. He saw Diablery. Maybe. I mean, does that is that word applicable to any other? I, yeah, I'm sure, I don't know. but not mm. like pop never, culturally. Never heard it anywhere so he's, outside. So he's of Amber. probably a VTM fan. Requiem, maybe. Although less likely. Well, he should have. He should have chatted with me about it then. While you were with your family on, at the beach. It's oh, a perfect time. Apparently, the rusted icon link is broken in the. Nightbot spam. I, I can fix that later because I actually oh. made a redirect. So you can go to GehennaGaming.com slash glassware to be redirected to the Rusted Icon site where you can buy the wonderful glassware that actually none of us own. We should do that for the shop too, like GehennaGaming.com slash shop. Oh yeah, I can do that. Yeah. I literally had to install a plugin for WordPress to do it, so I can do whatever redirects we want now. Anyway, <laughs> no one cares about this. Except for us, and we can talk it's, about it on our own time. It is fireside they chatty. They love it. It's fireside chatty. So, it is. I've got my tea ready with my uh, "Kiss Me on Monday" cup. Okay. <laughs> Just derailing this. Hiss. Every step of the way. Tonight's topic: We are talking about Dungeons and Dragons, which we never talk about ever because. Rick's never played it. <laughs> uh, it's not my favorite system, although I've probably played it more than any other just because that's what other people enjoy playing. And I, Mark, I actually don't know if you've played D&D extensively. I've played a lot of D&D. Okay. I've played it very extensively. I've played um, uh, 3rd Ed, 3.5 Ed. I've played god-awful 4th Edition. And I've played 5th Edition quite a bunch. Um, but... <laughs> We're very, I mean, we're very into horror tabletop, and yes. D and D tends to not really well, be horror sometimes or horror 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 e horror adjacent. Yeah, it, yeah, it can be horror adjacent, but it's not exactly, you know, typically. It's kind of hard to capture horror. the same tone and uh, suspense that you do in a game like Dread or Ten Candles or. I could keep going. So, but not to say it can't be done. It can, we're here. which which is to say it can be done, which is why we're here. So tonight we are talking about running horror games in Dungeons and Dragons. Um, specifically, what? how to capture the same you know suspense and terror that you would in a horror game, which is not always easy to do in a dungeon crawl, and how to run a D and D game that's not a dungeon crawl. One of the things we're going to be highlighting tonight is Jeff Malkavian's lovely background. <laughs> the uh, Red Opera, which actually launched on Kickstarter today, um, which we are... <laughs> also, Mark's background, although his is not properly centered like Crix's because he just changed it on me. Um, the uh, We are lucky enough to be getting to preview next Saturday with one of the creators, uh, Rick Hines. So if you are interested in learning more about the Red Opera, we will be discussing it this evening, but you should tune in for the one shot that we are all playing in with our friend and uh, also uh, fantastic TTRPG writer, Crystal Mazer. That said, the Red Opera is a horror-themed D&D scenario um, focused on the Shadelands warlocks and their patrons and things of that nature mark probably can talk a little bit more about it but we I will can, do that I'm excited to later in tonight's 
Extremely. It is so dope, and everyone needs to check it out. TheRedOffer.com. <laughs> Go check it out. Oh, my God. It's amazing. It's really cool. Um, launched on Kickstarter today, funded in 40 minutes, and yeah. is already almost, it's like 300% something already yeah, it's um it's pretty high up there the now original goal like 9k or something Ten. like that 10 and Ten. they're currently up to 23 yeah so yeah. it's double already which is pretty cool um it is inspired by a metal concept album slash rock opera sort of thing uh by the band dia morte and a lot of cool people are working on it so you should check it out uh and if i type I'm pretty sure i did this one right oh wow Bart. uh or you could just do this and boom, there's a link to cake. Oh, you're good. For you sure. like programmed this thing way before. I do. It's like it's like you're a professional. It's like I'm a Twitch producer. It's kind of like you do this. <laughs> I was gonna say for a living, but that's not. We know that's not true. <laughs> not yet. I have a day job, but yeah, not yet. Wow. That said, I want to talk about running horror games, running horror D and D games. Mm. So, yes. Rick, I'm actually gonna start with you because you've never played D and this is true. And I want to know why. I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I this is so, it's super weird. You know, and, and Ian, every time I'm like, hey, I'm stopping new another comic place. You're like, why does New Hampshire have so many goddamn comic and game stores? There's like and 30 and there's true. three in the greater Boston metro area, greater metro Boston area. I'm like, yeah, we've got a ton. So I don't know what it was. I mean, my friends and I growing up, no, no one played it. No one was into it. It was just mm -hmm. happenstance. I think I had one friend that uh, ran it, but um, he just did other stuff when he was hanging out with us and never tried to really rope us in. I think he was running it at like Boys and Girls Club. Yeah. And um, he probably needed a break after running it for like younger kids or kids his own age. Mm -hmm. So he didn't, I don't know. He didn't bring in a ton of other people. He's still running to this day. Um, I tried to play when I first got interested um, in role-playing games like 2003-ish. Um, but it kind of fell apart during character creation and uh, didn't pick up again. Are you saying like you, you created a character? This is common. Where you yeah. create a character, you sit on it, you fantasize about it, you create an entire story and backlog of, of awesome adventures that your character would have had if you were to actually roll the dice. And then getting together to actually play the darn thing never really happened. Right. I don't even know if I got to the stage of like, I'm making a backstory. It's like literally, I was learning how to put points on a page. I think it was way, it was pre 5e. So it was fourth edition. Ooh, and I remember it being one. super complicated, right? Um, but when I first started getting back into role-playing games after my like, vampire fix and my little break, um, I figured there was no one in my area that was going to be playing vampire for some reason. Hmm. Tried to get into 5e. Um, once again, tried to run with a pair of brothers, two different brothers this time. Same thing. They fought, didn't work out searched for uh vampire players and found people um yay yay i know who those people are yeah ian's <laughs> one of them so well but there are cool people I, than me but but i ended up like you know i've got a pretty good white wolf um and other role-playing game library going mm -hmm. and every now and then i would still pick up like when i first became a storyteller for vampire i picked up the dungeon master's guide um 
just because I figured it'd be great. I mean, Vampire only really has like a couple DM books, you know, mm-hmm. as far as how to run the game. Surprisingly, the D&D one is good for any system as far as teaching you how to um, gauge your audience and find out what player is into what. You know, if you get the player who's into politics and social etiquette, make them shine as much as um, the guy who wants to do combat. Yeah. You know, trying to make it equal. So, you know, I've been picking up more and more of the books, especially recently with the Red Opera. I picked up a ton of extra books to figure out how the campaigns are run and things like that. But, right. Um, but no, it's been good. I want to play. I'm very excited to play. This is going to be a fun game on this Saturday. Oh, yeah. It's going to be so good. I'm also excited to see you the juxtaposition between your characters. Yes, because they're fantasy this time instead of like modern. Yeah. Well, I, well it's funny because like well, I could totally see Mark playing a goblin and he's going to be goofy. Mm-hmm. I am going to I am going to be a little goofy uh, and I, I am playing a goblin. Mm-hmm. So you are and you're playing a high elf. Oh, you're going to be so yes. serious. Yes. You're going to be the, playing a high elf. You're going to be the straight man. I can't wait. Oh, I am too. I'm playing a freaking Asimir. Mm. So. And uh, uh, Crystal's playing a paladin. A well, paladin. Yeah. Well, okay, so here's the deal. Well, um, do we want to reveal that? No, but I do want to talk about this for okay, a sec. Go for it. Because um, we're playing the Red Opera, um, run by Rick Hines, who did an amazing panel for Virtual Horror Con, the How to Not Suck at Storytelling panel. Um, and he is also part of Apotheosis Studios. He actually introduced the Red Opera to us, yep. immediately got us excited about wanting to have Gehenna Gaming get involved with, the, with Dungeons & Dragons, which we didn't think was going to happen for a very long time. This is officially uh, our first mm-hmm. foray into D&D as, as a group. And the, 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 there are a couple of words that he told us that got us hooked. And he said, this game is very Warlock-centric. And immediately we're like, Huh? Hmm. Yes. Mark, what is your favorite class in D anD D? It's it's warlock. It always has been. No, yeah. What is your favorite class in D anD D? It's fucking <laughs> warlocks. So, yes. um, <laughs> and you know, even me being interested in the game, that and sorcerer, yeah, appealed to me right away. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Even though spellcasting seemed really complicated, I was gonna start with like, because it, it's like which is still spellcaster. Right? I know, but you got a little extra stuff in there. Um. Yeah, no, I'm super excited. Um, and I've been getting into the fantasy mindset lately and reading a lot of it. So I've got my own views and thoughts on how to take horror mm-hmm. and dump all that Cajun seasoning over a very interesting <laughs> fantasy world. You can never have enough Cajun seasoning. I literally I made Cajun healthy fried rice for dinner tonight. Delicious. It was really good. Anyway. I made I made Cajun salmon. Nice. I, I had cod with mine. I yeah, I want a po' boy, but I can't have one because I'm not eating bread right now. Anyway. <laughs> so. I got derailed. Also, I know one of your kids Ian. just walked in the room and I was going to ask you a question, so I was waiting. That's okay. We're just going to let it let it roll. Let it ride. What is your experience with D&D? Uh, so D and D is the first tabletop game I ever played. Um, back in how old were you? I was twelve. Okay. No. Maybe ten. I was young. 
I was I was pretty young, um, but this would have been. I'm not gonna say the year. Anyway, because uh, <laughs> I'm old. Um, I got into second edition, so advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Um, with a friend of I just see hands coming up on Mark. Um, with a friend of mine, we just played one on one. Um, he ran a game, and I played the stupidest character I could possibly think of because I was like ten years old. Um, which was a ranger druid multi-class that was like half water elemental half human but then like no a half water elemental half elf because it was a half elf but it was half water elemental because that makes sense and then he revealed the, later on that I was my father was actually a dragon polymorphed okay. into an elf so I was half dragon. <laughs> yes, it was, and I had a talking bastard sword that it was ridiculous. Anyway, yeah, you um, could have had the talking weapons. Those are the best. But we, my inner eleven-year-old is doing backflips. Oh, it was great. Right. It was super fun. It was a great way to introduce like a ten-year-old into Dungeons and Dragons. But we played that game for like three years too. Yeah, which was same ridiculous. Char- same, same characters. Yeah, so it was, oh, it was a lot God. of fun. At 10, too, that's a great age to get into Dungeons & Dragons because you're, like, running around or biking around the neighborhood and, like, you yep. are your character. Yep. When you're not, even when you're not rolling dice or playing, it's, like, you kind of have these little kid LARPs. Oh, yeah. That's dope. It was wonderful. So that was my introduction to D&D, and then I got introduced to Werewolf and, like, never played D&D again until college. So in college, we started playing 3.5. And up until this point, I had also never run D&D. So um, I was playing with a really good group of friends where we would rotate every scenario. So we were playing a long campaign, but every scenario, so not every session necessarily, but every like end of an arc, the, we would rotate DM. And a different player would take over. His character would become an NPC, and he would take over DMing, and we would just rotate around. So, like, every two or three sessions, we'd switch DM. So when it came around to my turn, I wrote a horror. Well, we happened to be in the Underdark. So I wrote a horror-themed scenario that ran for two sessions where they got attacked by Illithids, Mind Flayers, um, and, like, were vastly out-leveled by them at that point. So I was having them... I'll do all these this like mind control mind fuckery stuff um, rather than having them outright fight them because they just were polished. It was really fun. So my first time running D anD D was actually a horror game. It's cool. Just like and 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 in, in pure Ravnos from there. <laughs> in, in pure Ravnos fashion, you said I'm going to DM this game and it's going to be Call of Cthulhu. Uh yeah, I mean technically there were <laughs> tentacles involved, yes, but no, it was it was. <laughs> I, I was pretty into um, <laughs> the Forgotten Realms fiction mm-hmm. as a kid because I read a lot of fantasy. So I'd read a lot of like the Dritzter and R.E. Salvatore books. So I knew a lot of the lore about the Underdark. Um, and I was but, able to just, just pull all that drow yeah. lore and stuff about Lithids and my flares in. So it was very based in D&D lore. It wasn't like me just going, I'm going to slap this system on top of Call of Cthulhu. No, of course not. But you know what's funny about those books is that um, I read them before I even some of them before I even played. Oh, I did too. D oh, yeah. So nice. I didn't know, like, I didn't make the. I just thought they were just fantasy books. Same. Uh, um, yeah, I, I read um, 
the first three Dritzdurden books and mm. um like most of the Dragonlance series before I like played Dungeons and Dragons and I got into Dungeons and Dragons because of the Baldur's Gate PC game. So which that will date when I started playing. <laughs> Cuz it was when it came out. The Baldur's Gate yeah. game when yeah. we had dial- when we had dial up. Not even. Well, yeah, some people had dial up. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> I certainly didn't. <laughs> I didn't even have internet yet. We were a very technologically advanced family. Uh, I lived in the boondocks of upstate New York. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it would take a while. for Dial-up was like four kilobytes per second. Anyway. Did, um, you, did you guys have an outhouse? I'm kidding. No. Sorry, I did I'm live in a barn, though, technically. <laughs> I lived in a... Um... Like a like a, a refurbished barn house thing? Yep. That's pretty cool. Yeah, it was an apartment. It was technically, it was a broom factory. It was converted oh. into a, um, uh, I don't remember what, duplex with an upstairs and a downstairs apartment. You lived in a broom factory? That's very appropriate. Yeah. I grew up in a broom factory. <laughs> I love it. This is That's my awesome. life. And the fireside chat have... is just about Ravnus's life now. Do you have like, did, or does your family have like one of the old brooms? Because sometimes in like older houses that used to be things. Tell us just... about your mother. No, it was an apartment. <laughs> Oh, okay. It wasn't like you're like, I found this broom. It's enchanted. It's, it's, it's haunted. It's haunted. Yeah, it was someone, <laughs> someone was murdered with this broom. Um, no, no. Um, but anyway, uh, so yeah, my first foray was forever ago, but my first time running it, I made it a horror game. Nice. So, and then That's we awesome. ended that campaign and switched to Shadowrun. I was happy. Shadowrun was more interesting at the time until I found out what edition of Shadowrun we were playing, and then I got sad. Because there's too many dice. Too many dice and too complex of rules. And one person knew the rules better than everyone else and min-maxed the hell out of his character. Oh, that guy should be the GM. He should Yes, he should character. have been. No good. <laughs> anyway. No good. I was playing I was playing Shadowrun uh, before they before I was able to even find the tiny little guys. Oh, so you just had the huge bag of dice. Um Yeah. Well D D, you know, D D has a very Obviously, it's extremely popular right now. We're in this age yes. where yeah. everyone's a nerd, and Thanks, when, everyone's critical a nerd, role. when everyone's a nerd, there are no nerds. Um, right, and the cool I, kids but, are playing it now. Well, yeah, that's kind of it, right? Like now, everyone's playing it. Mm-hmm. When I was when I was younger, oh yeah, I started playing with my my nerdy nerdy family. Uh, my mother uh, introduced D and D to me. Oh, nice. Um, so and cool. yeah, it, very cool. I think she just wanted to play. So I was like, all right, well, let's have the family play. It'd be a fun family thing to do. Um, but like D&D is one of those things that I remember not many people really being into and really playing. But I sh- I was really only playing for a short period of time before I found Vampire and said, okay, this is my wheelhouse. Nice. Um, then years later, um, a few friends of mine wanted to start a D&D campaign, which we had going for years. Yep. Um, and... That was it. It wasn't because of any, it was just kind of like, we all used to play. Let's, you know, we're now a little bit older. This mm-hmm. is right before I had my first kid. Um, and then when I had my first daughter, I would, I would bring her to our sessions. Nice. Uh, we yeah. used to play uh, World of Darkness at um, this one guy's house. And he was married with a kid uh, mm-hmm. who his kid's in college now. <laughs> but was a toddler when we were playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're old. Yeah, we're old. Uh, but I just realized that just popped in my head. I was like, oh, Lord. 
Um, I could have reminded you you're old. <laughs> I always know I'm old. Um, that's funny, but there's but I was what I was saying is that there's so many people that are really into D and D now, yes. and it's funny because we are because we are in, in tabletop space. Like it's like coming to like get get out of the way, Dungeons and Dragons players. <laughs> Let's talk about Colt. <laughs> and people Where are, are like horror players. They're like they're downstairs in the basement. There's like yeah. four of them. Like ah, we're hungry. <laughs> Feed <You bring> us. <laughs> us. <laughs> they don't let us out. Anyway, the light from the uh, downstairs door opens, and they're like, <laughs> <laughs> like true vampires. Yeah. yeah. There's like a Play creepy. Ball. There's like a creepy little girl there with like heavily smoked eyes. Welcome. <laughs> That's all she does. She just greets you. That's it. Okay, I kind of want to make this game store. Anyway. I, I, we'll call it hell that black Marion would probably volunteer to be that person mm-hmm. um what so the rick can't really answer this question but what was the first time jumping away from dnd was it playing Shadowrun? me yeah like what was the first game you played that wasn't dnd and like why did you switch to it vampire Yo, oh, that's right. We've talked about this. It was. Yeah, it was Vampire. Uh, and the reason why is because it's Vampire and it's a better game than Dungeons and Dragons. Um, <laughs> that's fired. I mean, honestly, I like it better. I, I've oh, always yeah. liked it better. It's the themes. It's There was girls at the table. That was a big part of it. That there were, like, it was very inclusive. And also, I was a teenager, so girls being at the table was a cool thing. And um, also, like, the themes and the darkness and the blood and the mystery and the horror like all of that it just it spoke to me much like me you were a goth kid and vampire is cool yes D is also cool but i'm gonna make it i'm gonna make a a bold statement here i don't think D really got really all that like majorly popular like it is now until game of thrones season one maybe 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 community maybe community that D episode of community perhaps you know i it's, it's, if we're talking about media, Stranger Things. Yeah, oh yeah, big time. I mean, it has its own Dungeons and Dragons starter set. Yes. I'm actually, looking up something. Because because I remember there was a community episode of of the D and D episode of Community, but I don't remember if if uh, Game of Thrones was out before or after that. Counter argument. Yes. Started getting popular uh, right around the time and. This isn't based on it. It's based on World of Warcraft, but the Guild. <gasps> the mm. Guild, yeah. No, I think it was the Dungeons and Dragons movie starring Jeremy Irons and Marlon Wayans. Great movie. All right, great I, so I own that movie. Ten out of ten. No, 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 no. Don't mislead people. That movie is awful. <laughs> Don't listen to Ian. His taste is horrible. This is a good movie, and it deserves awards. No. Well, okay, is Kendrick the Embrace a good TV Brad. show? <laughs> There it's you okay. go. What'd you, what'd you say? Now, which is better, the Dungeons and Dragons movie or Kindred the Embraced? Oh, Kindred the Embraced. It's an awful show, but it's so much better because it's a vampire. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers movie. <laughs> a great movie. I love the Super Mario Brothers movie. It's probably <laughs> nostalgia talking, but it's really good. <laughs> it's almost as if the, the, the producers, the writers, and the director of the Super Mario Brothers movie never actually heard of the Super Mario Brothers. Much like the Dungeons and Dragons movie, <laughs> but in all seriousness, um, what? So that answers my question. What pushed you to a horror game, other than being a goth kid and like vampires are yeah. cool and 
I'll, t- I'll tell you exactly what it is. So, so Dungeons and Dragons is uh, part inventory management and uh, battle simulator, in my Ooh. experience. And yeah, that is the way most people run it. Right. Only recently there are more, and I think this is because of Critical Role, only recently has there been more people talking about their roleplay heavy narrative st- a narrative focused game yeah. versus a right crunchy mechanics right. focused game yeah and truth be told i don't like crunchy games because it feels says too much the like... person who likes shadow <laughs> true i just really like the like cyberpunk and the and the orcs and i, I love it all but yeah so so it's the it's because it's so crunchy and i'm not really a big fan of all of that because it feels like it's like well, if you want to play a video game, why don't we just go play a video game? Why are we pretending to have play a video game over mm-hmm. the table right now? Oh, well, yeah. And, and I'm excited to play D&D, though, because it is a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. man, there's some really cool stuff. Like, And I don't want to get too focused into like, when I get level two, I'm definitely choosing this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that I know I have something excited to look forward to. You know? Yeah. Um, I, and I'm excited yeah. to role play in that, that fantasy world. Yeah. You know, it seems like when you're talking about like action heavy games, especially in that genre, I was a big fan of Diablo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One oh, and same. two. You yeah. know, three is good. I, I'm a, maybe it's just classic stuff. I love one and yeah. two. Um, but, you know, I recently picked up Divinity uh, Original Sin 2. Yeah. And that's a little bit Diablo esque, but it's super D&D heavy in far as response options and story. And the story in those kind of games is what really draws me. You know, we mentioned Game of Thrones and different media influences um, as far as when D and D got popular uh, and the R.A. Starvatory books. Um, I read Wheel of Time and a couple other fantasy yeah, series like same. that. So I mean, things like that are what's drawing me into playing D and D and being excited about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I'm I'm more into like I'm I'm more open to D and D now. Like I, you hear me talking a lot of shit, but. I, especially now that we have visited so many different worlds with all these different game lines, mm-hmm. um, I am now kind of excited to go a little bit back to form um, and enter the world of D&D and more specifically the world of Red Opera again or for the first time. Well, that's one of the cool things too is that um, Dungeons & Dragons has been, with its growth and popularity, has been releasing more content and broader content. They are trying to appeal to a broader audience, but yeah. they have been releasing more horror-adjacent yeah. content. It'll never be horror in the same way that a game like Cult or Ten Candles or Year's Bride or Vampire. I don't want to say the rest of World of Darkness, but Vampire is. Yeah. But you do have like Curse of Strahd. You have, is, yeah, yeah, which is very horror. It's yes. like the quintessential horror D and D. Exactly, yeah. and you have there's um, which I've never played by the way. I actually Same. have never played Obviously. Curse of Strahd either, and I've heard it's really cool. We should have someone run that for us. And then um, there's Tomb of Horrors. I'd actually Google it. I was like Dungeon of yeah, Horrors. Yeah, that was one of the first. That came before Curse of Strahd, and it's the, the old. It life, is. Right? It's the. It's not. Tomb of Horrors is interesting because it's not you. It can, you can run it as just not horror at all. It's just dungeon crawl. Um, is, that T- is that the one with Tiamat? No, no. Hmm. No, I think it takes place in Chult. You're gonna make me Google. It's it's this dinosaur island, but it's got the lich looking guy in the cover. 
Yeah, it's, it's a it's a it was the original module was for like written in 1975, and it's wow. about a demi lich Aserak, 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 you're right. And it's set in the Greyhawk world originally. Cool. Yes, but they moved it to Forgotten Realms because of its popularity. So that's the thing. I I've only played the fourth edition release of it. Um, Interesting. And really fucking loved it. It was really cool. But we ran it more as a horror game. We we dialed up the like anything can kill you. And so this is a topic I want to talk about. And this is a good segue. Like one of the way, ways that most players make D and D horror is increase the death rate which uh, is yeah, not the best yeah. way to do it um right. not to not to mention the fact that just like killing player characters i don't get it actually but i think it's because i play i play games like cult where it's like if i die, I die. In the culture yeah yeah you know it, I, it, I, I, i'm expecting either. dolph lundgren yeah. to say if he dies he dies um but in call of cthulhu but in Dungeons and Dragons today, especially with more players who grew up playing video games than Dungeons and Dragons coming into it, I think there's this sense of despawning. And like, yeah, you can, you can, player can come back to life as long as they, there's a part of you left. It's just expensive um, if the D the dungeon master plays it according to the which most don't. From and, my experience, and yeah, and that's with D and D too. Like most games are homebrewed like most yeah, i don't oh, yeah. i don't i think of when i was younger i played modules but i mean most D D games that i've played in or heard about it's always always a completely homebrewed set of rules typically or a completely homebrewed i've never like, played homebrew well, I've, I've definitely played setting. homebrewed rules but usually homebrewed setting over rule usually typically through form with the rule the way i've done but, it I mean, in in certain cases, like what you're talking about, though, with with your character dying and respawning, most people will say, "Ah, yeah, fuck it, you come back." Yeah, they're like, "Okay, yeah, you you they, you get them into a magical glow in your pocket." I very rarely, well, no, they, they take you to a healer, but like I've never played a D and D game where they actually we actually cared about currency. Ah, never yes. been a thing. It's just I, like whatever. Like you have money, you buy you. I like it was more focused on like if. You need equipment and stuff. I'm going to make it drop in the dungeon, sort of thing. I actually love that part of Dungeons and Dragons is the currency. Figured you did. Mm -hmm. I'm a big fan of capitalist <laughs> capitalism. No, I'm, I'm a big. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a big fan of like I've got my copper, I've got my gold, I got my platinum. If I'm fucking rich, um, but like I also like the idea, the horror, and let's stay on track here, gentlemen. Um, the horror of going to an amazing, uh, like fantasy realmed bazaar, and not having any money, and you guys only have a few coin to go between each other, and you have to figure out a way to to get what you need. Mm -hmm. um, that part is interesting to me. I also like the haggling. Like if if a <laughs> if a if a DM brings me to a bazaar. Um, unfortunately, I'm freaking haggling, and I'm probably going to an at least annoy one player because I'm, I'm, it's going to be like a few minutes where we got to talk about the price of this thing that I really want at this store for my shop owner. This just in, Mark is a Ferengi. <laughs> I'm a Ferengi. 
Gold press latinum. <sighs> so, I mean, there. That's one. That's getting ahead of where I wanted to be. Sorry. Just killing off characters isn't a good way to drive horror because either it becomes a meat grinder <clears throat> and it becomes Call of Cthulhu in that you have four characters already made and your character dies and you just go, well, this guy walks into the dungeon. Yeah, or it's true. And, and with Mark's scenario, your character cares so much about money and the acquisition of wealth. Yeah. You go into a dungeon crawl, you come back. You're domain it's been raw blind yeah that's yeah. like oh god oh. yeah There's, yeah now it's a mystery maybe it's you have to ask people who they may have seen around maybe multiple houses got hit and now this town has nothing yeah now maybe it's a survival thing even like, even like even you can like, go hunt down the guy who stole your shit yeah or you could hunt for the night and try to feed before the town starves to death What's that's, more important to you, Mark? The, uh, well, here's the deal. If I'm, <laughs> that's horror a little bit. There. It, it is horror, and you're making hard choices, and you're making, and exactly. your character has an arc because your character starts off um, like I'm a big fan of, of characters starting off slightly shitty and then getting better over time. Um, and this kind of scenario, which is like this a traumatic event, the trauma causes this character to become more in touch with their human side or their more emotional and, and empathetic side, potentially, so or. It, it pushes them to become more callous and you know more willing to steal and lie i think that's what you touched on basically what i want to touch on which is you can use a lot of mechanics in D D to create a survival horror game True. do you have okay. enough money to buy food and and to your to your earlier point you don't just have to kill your characters yeah to do that yeah i mean they might die but like yeah i know seriously well i mean uh, there's some self-sacrifices involved in some of the stream games that we <laughs> yeah, yeah. one of them died <laughs> so i mean when it comes to like a dnd game and mm-hmm. you know you've got your jet saving throws and things that i've, I've learned at dnd and i could probably run it now but oh yeah uh, hydrating so i have a pink straw nice. i think what, what would be interesting in a dnd setting where you could bring someone back from the dead. Change it. Not even necessarily homebrew rules. I would make it so that, okay, you die. That character went somewhere. Or maybe they can come back. Maybe part of them doesn't come back with them. Or something or, does come back maybe, with them. Right. Or maybe that too. Or maybe now Mark can only exist in Avernus. In where? In the dark. Yeah. And for whatever reason, it's not necessarily even that you're undead. For some reason, you you can't physically go above ground, above sea level, maybe. How cool is it that like your your party? You don't gets... necessarily know the reason why. Yeah. And and how cool is it that your party has faced a pretty insane situation that kills one of your characters, and all the players are like, "Oh, the GM accidentally made this." this part uh, a little too powerful for our level mm-hmm. but then through the game they bring your character back but it's like what the fuck did we do we shouldn't have brought him back or her back that is something i've always thought is glossed over it's like right think about any horror movie where think pet That's cemetery <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, or, the, or the hit or the hit summer film um, my boyfriend's back 
actually a good movie. Um, there is... There's a lot of things you could play with that to make it personal horror, body horror, um, survival horror. Mechanically... <laughs> I'm trying to keep a straight face here. Mechanically, D&D &D does set itself up to be played as a horror game. You just have to shift the tone. Yeah. Is really what it comes down to. So, so here's the question I'm going to throw to you guys then. Um, utilizing kind of the... the typical uh D, D scenario right you, you get a party together you meet in a tavern yep someone offers you a job or whatever kill or the rats in the tavern someone's basement. like ah help me my daughter was stolen and now you need to go into this dungeon um and now it's, you're in a dungeon crawl mm -hmm. now um you know whatever straightforward pretty pretty typical for a dungeon of dragons uh scenario what can you do outside of just making the monsters hard to beat um, to incorporate horror in that scenario specifically? Tons of stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so like even touching on what I just talked about, and this is kind of a cue we learned from Alien, right? Limit the resources. Yep. Or apply conditions. Have it be incredibly wet in that dungeon and their torches just keep going out and eventually they're in the dark and some of them might have dark vision, but that's not going to help the ones that don't. Yeah. I mean, you have there a light is, spell, but maybe there's magic dampening. Maybe there was a drought in a nearby country, and now there's a wind and a fine mist powder that is basically salt is just blowing through the countryside, causing everyone's eyes to burn. Or and it's not that you're blinded, but you don't necessarily have goggles. And all of a sudden, something bad happens. Maybe someone with protective gear looted the town. Yep. And you know exactly where they are, but what can you do about it? Yep. If you can't get there and see, how do you how do you get around that? Um, what if they're malicious and they're it's a serial killer who's finally has the cover to kill people that have bothered them their whole life and he can get away with it because no one is watching. That's what, yeah, I mean, uh, one of my favorite tropes, cults, cannibals. Cannibal cults. Cannibal cults. The people are already salted. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. They're already marinating. Um, but yeah, you can throw uh, a cult that worships an evil god at people, that's sacrificing townsfolks. You could throw cannibals into the mix. You could... There's a lot of shit you could do. Or or if you're... As you're going through the dungeon, you're going like, you know, cavern to cavern, room to room, the right. pool to pool. Don't drink the water. Um, and you're killing these these small or, or mid-sized beasts or thieves or whatever, but there's something following you. Yep. And you hear it breathing, and you don't know where it is, but every so often you feel it get close over a course of a, you know... Kind of like what's behind know, you right now. Kind of like what's dark and smells a little bit like a pond <laughs> because he got into an area that he shouldn't have gotten into because he's a bad boy. But he's the best bad boy. He's and the I love best him. bad boy. Girls love bad boys, they say. <laughs> they do. They do love bad boys. I love that bad boy. <laughs> Onyx is adorable. It's true. Adorable. Um, messing with the setting is kind of what we're talking about. Yep. Um, my question to you guys, because this is not something I've experienced firsthand. 
when you're playing D&D, one of the big draws is that you get to feel heroic. Unlike a lot of other games, um, it's a fantasy and it's a, it's a role you're playing where typically you get to be a hero in the most heroic fantasy sense of the word. Right. You don't, you don't really get that from a lot of other games. You may do good things, you may solve a problem, but you can literally become like an epic legend, right? I think they say what, the first five levels, you're like a folk hero. Five to 10, you're like known throughout the countryside or whatever. 10 to 15, it's like a nationwide thing. 15 to 20, you're like a world. Yeah, you're demigod. At, that's actually different from how I learned it. Um, yeah. Which was like level ones are like, you're just left the farm sort of thing. Right. Um, but I think you can ramp the horror in a D&D game very easily because every time you reach that new tier, there is something worse. Um, the entire religion system in D&D is set up for horror games if you want it to be. Um, oh, yeah. like, so those, like, you can make those gods very, very evil. You can make the good guy gods very callous. Like, I, I mean, and there's arguments that, like, the lawful good gods could be just as bad as the chaotic evil gods because they don't care about you if you don't follow the rules. Um, or even or even warlocks, you know, there are patrons that are whispering in the ears of this yep. sorcerer-like character, and nobody else can hear them. Exactly. And you, there are things that this patron is is not just asking you to do, but telling you to do. Everything from go to this town and try and find a uh, a paladin to in the middle of conversation answer something very specific. And it, it takes there's that little bit of like agency that gets taken away and from you. Give, give this weapon to this villain, knowing he's going to cause yes the deaths well, of a thousand well, people with it. Yeah. But right. why God? Because right. I know something that you don't. Oh yeah. Shit, I don't know if I like that. Of course you don't like that. <laughs> You're not making the choices. Right. Now give him now give him the damn blade. <laughs> give me the damn clean your room. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wait. <laughs> yeah. That was Freudian. So, this is getting really personal and revealing. Um I mean, so another thing I'm thinking about, you're you're kind of like the hero, right? You get strong enough. Yep. An interesting thing to do, personal horror with D&D, then, in my opinion, would be, even if it's, like, only level one through five, make whatever heroic deed you did a big deal. And, like, people are looking up to that person all the time. Maybe yeah. too much. And now, every little thing you do, it's reflected. Well, it's it, um, and like what happens when people start peeling away that shiny veneer of who you really are, right? What if that legend spreads about your character and it's bigger than you are, and you don't know if you can live up to that? You know, your ego and your sense of what people view you as grows, but you remain the same, yeah. And suddenly, people are calling on you to do greater things than you're capable of doing. It's almost like your party shows up at a um, a small little village, and it's really just like kind of a a pass passerby point for you. You 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 go through. You maybe stay at the inn. You do a couple of things. Someone asks you to do something. You grab something, and you get whatever. 
right? And then you go on to your main quest, right? It was a cute little side quest for you. Um, maybe one of your players were out, uh, couldn't join the table for that day. So your DM kind of put together something quick and awesome for a short team or for a short party. And then on your way back from an amazing adventure, you pass through that town and they have decided to build this entire shrine around you and your and your party. And there are- what if it's dark? And, and there are some people that love you, but then there are people that hate you mm-hmm. or don't believe in you. <laughs> Or think See, what I, you did was awful. Yep. I think it would be better if they misconstrued everything you said, and they're practicing <laughs> a, like a cult. dark cult religion. Oh my god! Based on you and doing horrible things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, he said, "I don't have time for this." Slice you, his throat. And you go to stop them, and they're like, "You, you're clearly an imposter. This is the way that Mark wanted it." And then it's suddenly <laughs> Wicker Man. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then you like because you'll ultimately break your own rules going through there. Like, no, don't do that. It's awful. It's like, well, uh, he is a traitor. Then, right? Kill, right. kill the blasphemer. I think that uh, one of the things that I think gets lost with thinking of D anD D as a horror game is like people are like, well, I'm this epic adventurer with magic and magical items, and I. Oh no, it's a skeleton. How scary. Bash, bash, bash. Like, a lot of things lose their threat value, monster-wise. So it's like, being like, oh, well, I'm going to throw a bunch of undead at them. Not as scary, but things like societal changes that, I, you know, like you just described. Or religious cult activity that you can drive dungeons and like the i think that the skill system in D has evolved to such a great deal you can do it more of like a skill check based game rather than a combat game if throwing monsters at your players isn't what is making the game suspenseful or terrifying yeah you got to slow it down a little bit i feel like in order to have yeah. it be truly horrifying because if you and it's also the size of of everything like you just said something interesting well i'll just throw a bunch of undead at you that's fucking frightening. Throwing a bunch of undead at a bunch of people. Like, there is, I, I, when we're talking about a bunch, are we talking about five or 10? And when we're talking about undead, are we talking about walking dead people? No, scooping handfuls of grandmas. <laughs> <laughs> um, you, ne- you never call anymore. <laughs> are you rushing your the air. Yeah. Um, <laughs> No, I mean you Tell guys are talking. Tell your mother I never liked her. Sorry, <laughs> you guys are talking about this. I'm thinking of of different ways, and an idea I just had was be cool if you get so powerful in D and D. Yeah, to a point, you get to do a lot of different things. Like you're level seven, and you have access to like a variety of spells and abilities, and you know you're typically pretty robust. You can hold your own. Even to get something higher, especially if there's a party of you, right? Mm-hmm. An aspect of horror in that world would be you've got all this power, but it's still not enough to deal with a threat. It's still that Spider-Man situation mm-hmm. where the Green Goblin's got your girlfriend and a bus full of kids, <laughs> except you cannot save both. Probably problem. It doesn't, right. It doesn't yeah. matter how great your hero is. You're spread too thin. 
you may not even have enough allies to solve that problem. And it becomes a checks and balances morality like, oh yeah. And eventually does it break you? Do you have enough resolve to make those choices knowing you did the best you could, but was it enough? Will it ever be enough? Yeah, you have to do the cleanup too, right? Like it's it's yeah, water deeper, never winter. One of them's going down. There's a threat coming to both. Yeah, that could be a mankind or elvenkind, whatever. A Faerun ending doomsday event. Even when you're when you're talking about which setting, city you pick. Yeah, especially especially when they're so close. Like mm-hmm. if they're if if their cities are very close, say for oh I don't know for the sake of argument. Uh, Yon Kath, which is the dual city um, in the Red Opera. What is Yon Kath? Please tell us. So, so they're in within this within the Shadelands, um, which is kind of this this area um, where a, a patron is really kind of sneaking a, a beyond a, a alley away. There are it feels very much like the Feywilds. Um, you feel this creeping influence from the patrons. There are warlocks everywhere. And there are two different cities um, that are named kind of Yon Kath, which is a, a mixture of, of two different names. I forgot specifically what they were. But there's a river dividing the two of them with a couple of bridges. I think there's like two bridges maybe. Yes. Um, so if there's, a, there's a, if there's a catastrophic event there, for example, right? Like the citizens of Yon Kath, whether they be on the Yon side or the Kath side, probably know each other, right? At the very least, they go back and forth for resources or what have you. Um, maybe the gym is better on the Yon side or, or maybe the tavern uh, on the um, Kath side, which I think is, I don't know, the hole in the wall or whatever, has better ale. Um, if there's a catastrophic event on one side but not the other, that's horrifying. I mean, that's like a cat, that is something I think in a post 9-11 society we can kind of all relate to. Yeah. I think that... <laughs> There's a lot of themes we've touched on, like catastrophic events, religious horror, uh, the the kind of suspense of not knowing what the threat is, the um, survival horror. All of these things are really good ways to tie horror into an existing campaign. But if you were going to create a campaign from scratch... What would you present to players as like, I want to run a horror D&D game. This is the type of game I want to Here's the scenario. I just thought of one. Go. <laughs> as you said that. Um, something like that event is happening. The group of heroes that's normally the super group of that town, right? The best band of adventurers. Not yours. The next guy's up who you want to be someday, they set out to save Neverwinter, right? However, the one you're stuck in, Waterdeep, the only way to save it, the person who's like the best wizard in town, the Blackstaff, whatever. The best wizard. The best damn one. They can save Waterdeep, but the catch is they have to move it somewhere different. Maybe the Underdark or in the elemental realm or something, something bizarre. Yeah. You literally take that entire city setting and put it somewhere else. <laughs> now you've got kind of like an Israel situation where you're not supposed to be here. Mm. This is our land. This is our home. This is our realm. 
You've got different gods. You've got different monsters. This entire city is now a fish out of water. Survival's different. Does it hold? Can you save it? How does it, how does this change everything? You're not even in the same continent anymore. And you're not even in the same world anymore. Yeah. You can't even take a boat back to where you just came from. The only way to save this place was to move it. Transport the entire city to a different realm. Right. And maybe that main wizard who did that died doing so. And now the ultimate sacrifice. Now and... it's just you. Or what if? And these people who are relying on you to keep them safe in this alien terrain. And you could also do like a what if he died doing it, but like... Fucked up. It didn't, it didn't take 100%. <laughs> can you finish it? There's people like trapped in limbo in between the realms. Like, can you save right. them? Do a lot of yeah, interesting even, stuff with that. Even discovering like... Hire us. <laughs> <laughs> even, even discovering this years after it was attempted and things are oh. stuck in this kind of like li- liminal halfway That's point, right. almost like... Kind uh, of having this like lore about all of the... <laughs> maybe we should stop talking about this maybe we should write this tune in next week we're about to go get drunk <laughs> not really we're writing something great I, I do want to read something that, that uh, Voodoo Arcade yes, hi Voodoo Arcade, comment. Um, Voodoo Arcade. Has, has commented um, they said this is such a good point especially in D&D sometimes my players know the mechanics so well that they don't get scared at monsters because they know how to handle those it's the situations or the choices that they have to make that they can that can really drive the horror I put my players in a blockade city and they would go out to do missions. And each time they come back, the city has less people and they would see the remains of those who starved waiting for them to help break the blockade. That's dark. Super dark. I th- wow. That's the sort of stuff that like, that's what I would do <laughs> yeah. with D and I think that there's a, um, you can easily forget that like, Undead come from somewhere. Yeah, like I was talking to you guys the other day. I'm I'm learning about the D and D Forgotten Realms lore, and it seems like uh, I don't want to belittle the D and D creators who came before, but they were like, "Well, we need a big world changing event. How about some prick opens a dimension to where the orcs are, and floods the earth with orcs or demons, and uh, we just." throw these bodies at them and see who wins. Because that's a wizard's fight, right? Well, it's like, where did these orcs come from? Yep. <laughs> what if they're not happy about that? Yeah. What if enough time has passed and they're pissed? And they, as a society, have grown with such a pure hatred for what you did to their people, taking them, putting them somewhere else to fight, that they are now a much more civilized and maybe science maybe they're advanced in war magic i don't know but they've opened to open they've learned to open gates themselves and now they're here to do the same to you nice shitty isn't it yeah yeah one thing i've always liked to toy with is breaking the magic system yes um i think that's a really good and someone just commented uh you know it's hard to do horror because it's high magic no it's not take magic away from people yeah, don't yeah, give them make, everything. Yeah. Make it wow again, right? Yeah. Uh, or um like one thing you can do is introduce a scenario introduce a game that's low magic and then yeah. start introducing magic 
through NPCs. Like, have a wizard suddenly, have the room suddenly burst into flames, and the players don't know why, but it's because the guy summoned a fireball. <laughs> like, yeah, and you don't have to say he summons a fireball. Yeah, it's all in how you, it's all in how you present it and describe it, you know. Suddenly, you see this man in robes muttering in a strange language you've never heard, and an inferno erupts in front of you as flames gout from his hands, and all the furniture is ignited and you see your friends catch flame and that's it's almost what like happens when you cast fireballs fire from fire erupts from your hands yeah well and that's and you the don't thing. know and it's and it's burning you all of a sudden and you shake your hands to put the fire out and fire just goes everywhere <laughs> yeah. and it doesn't stop it's yep. like you're sweating napalm yep. it's it's that almost sucks. like it's almost like the difference between the first harry potter movie and the last harry potter movie because Not the second to last one where they're crying a lot. That is the worst Harry Potter movie. Screw that movie. It is the so worst. Cool. But like there's something happens that there's something that happens. Like in the in the beginning um of, of Harry Potter, the, the 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 magic is very like fanciful and fun and, and yeah. you know colorful. And then later on in the series, it's dark and mysterious, and it's the same spell. <laughs> Sometimes it's the same spells that used to be like fun and and, and fantastical That's how early it's being on. Used. And that it's are how now being presented. frightening and awful because it is being presented in that yeah, kind of I mean, way. It's all it's all fun and games to turn your friend into a frog, right? But when you turn your friend into a frog and then a cat catches and kills and eats him, and he turns it back into a human halfway through, or yeah. Um. Well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like the way you like you can actually utilize magic very interestingly. To create horror, um, not you know, not have, running a low magic scenario and then sl slowly leaking magic into the world, or starting a normal scenario and then having magic vanish from the world all of a sudden yeah. for some undiscernible reason. And like the the player consent gets tricky here because like you want it to be a shock, so you don't want to like tell them like tell them. don't play cast, you know, hey, this is gonna happen because then no one's gonna play a caster, so they. Yeah. but you want to say like a good way you could introduce that is I'm going to introduce things that mess with the core mechanics of your class yeah or or even you know they, you're, yeah or, or you know there's no you there are specific classes you cannot pick and then you wouldn't necessarily have to worry about that well um, uh, the idea would be you want people playing mages and yeah. sorcerers and then all of a sudden they lose access to their spells or their spells have effects they don't intend. See, I like I like fantasy where magic comes at a cost. Always. Yeah. Like okay. if have you seen, you know, I give MTV a lot of shit, but they did the Shannara Chronicles, that book series. They made a live action version, which was, yes, they which did. was neat. This was is it? MTV. It was, yeah, yeah. it was MTV. The druid guy, though, that thing. Was oh no! Cool. Yeah, he was cool. Yeah, he was uh, great. The, the main character made me want to stab myself in the face repeatedly. Yes, but the <laughs> druid guy was awesome. <laughs> yeah, he was cool. Where every time he did magic, or most times, it would like burn a rune into his flesh, and it looked like it was awful. Yeah, like it was really. I cool. really want to do magic, guys, and he'd have to like go heal. Yep. Right? That, I like that. I would yeah. like to see um, a druid in a place that was polluted. And every time they go to do something nature-wise, it's fucked up. We're dying. 
Uh, actually, Crystal, uh, who's going to be playing in the Red Opera with us this weekend, presented uh, one of my favorite class concepts, which is a multi-class Necro Druid. That is awesome. A Druid that takes a multi-classes into Necromancer. Recycle. Yep. Did you say recycle? The, the ultimate yeah, recycler. <laughs> when magic exists, killing an enemy becomes complicated. Necromancers fiddle and foil assassins' plans. Healers treat the poisoned and cure the disease. Even those pesky druids have gotten into the game of reincarnation. To what ends? To fuel a cycle of revenge and war again and again. Let's not even fathom how difficult it is to kill a god in such a world. In our world. Ah, but you've thought of this, haven't you? To kill a king, to slay a dragon, to eliminate a deity and claim their power for your own. The Shadelands can provide these things to you, adventurer, and so much more. Warlocks from across the plains have made their pilgrimage to the north, where a veil between worlds runs thin and the Hidden Ones offer their guidance at a price. Power, wealth, and fame are easy enough to gain elsewhere, but in the great city of Yonkath, true secrets await. So we invite you, no matter your background or how much hate rests in your heart, to join us in the Shadelands. Come see magnificence with your very eyes and know what a kingdom ruled by warlocks has brought into your world. After all, the only way to learn our secrets is to heed our call. Welcome to the Red Opera. In this campaign setting, we've created an extremely metal-themed epic saga where the players determine the final fate of the Shadelands, a place where the veil between elemental planes runs thin and patrons can whisper directly with members of all classes, not just warlocks. Here, the Accursed King sits on a throne, delicately balancing deals with nearly every patron, but his grip on reality is starting to fray. While cities ruled by wizards, clerics, and paladins are common, a war-torn city where warlocks have sought refuge is rare indeed. The Red Opera provides storytellers and players a look into this relationship between warlock and patron and opens it up so anyone can wield their power. Using this, explore the hidden agendas of those patrons who aren't yet strong enough to be gods or help young warlocks avoid losing their souls before it's too late. We've created the Red Opera in such a way that it will fit into your existing campaign world, no matter which setting you are running. The 10-act full-length saga is suitable for all tiers of play, including the rare all-level 20 game, yet easily scaled down for first-tier play too. Most importantly, we've truly embraced player agency and thus have given the campaign multiple endings. Because of this, the Red Opera can be run multiple times with each playthrough feeling truly fresh and unique. Partnering with Diamorte, the Heavy Metal Hall of Fame, and the Budapest Scoring Symphonic Orchestra, each of our adventure acts is paired with a track on the Red Opera album. This creates a truly immersive experience by providing multiple mediums of engagement. So other than your soul, what do you have to lose? Help us turn this project into reality by backing our Kickstarter and join the cast of the Red Opera.
Yeah, so that's the Red Opera. <laughs> Ooh. I, I just, I, I'm, I think they did a really good job on that, but I'm so excited to it. So um, for anyone who's just tuning in um, for this half of our stream, um, we are playing a one-shot of the Red Opera, myself, Archosius and Deathmalk here, along with our friend Crystal Major, who is a fantastic TGRPG writer, um, with one of the creators of the Red Opera, Rick Hines, this Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So if you thought that was cool, tune in and ch watch us play. It's going to be a blast. Uh, we have a pretty cool scenario lined up that I'm pretty excited to play in, personally. Um, can I just I say, too, that like there's a really cool quote from these nerds on the uh, Kickstarter page? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. There's a quote from nerds. Yeah, there's there's some nerds that uh, there's a quote from them on the page. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pull this up here. Uh, transition back to my other screen. And, oh look, look, look you at can... those nerds right there in the middle of my screen. Hey. <laughs> but seriously, um, Red Opera looks super cool, and I'm. Very excited to play in it. That also, I also just accidentally showed people what I pledged for it, <laughs> um, but that's fine. Um, oh, whoops. Um, and we're going to be playing it so you get to see it in action. I'm so ex I am so excited for this. Um, the minute, probably the moment, the, that very first conversation when we when we found out about it, I'm like, oh my god, this sounds so dope. Mm -hmm. um, and to, truth be told, um, the idea for this. Um, I'm surprised wasn't ever, excuse me, talked about before. Like there is no realm for warlocks. Warlocks, you were. Um, warlocks essentially were kind of orphaned in in D and D until the Red Opera. So it's mm -hmm. awesome to finally have a realm that belongs to to warlocks and a pretty sick realm. I have been. Um, kind of gushing over we all have been gushing over the red opera for quite some time and we're just we're getting ready to play this game on saturday yeah um so that's one of the reasons why we're we're shilling for it also because it's freaking cool yeah um, yes but I, can so say. I guess what's the general like what's i guess the elevator pitch of the red opera i mean the red opera is have you ever wanted to play in a dnd setting and this is this is adjacent to and many of the other settings uh you can pull characters from any i'm playing a uh, forgotten realms based character for this one mm -hmm. shot but a setting where warlocks are kind of the big deal and it's like you said in the trailer like there's no there's no cities run by warlocks in most of D, &D. um and now you have one and there's horror going on um the patrons aren't necessarily what you think there are there's new patrons there's patrons swapping and trading lives there's people who are you can tr swap a patron which is unheard of um mm -hmm. and then there's there's a lot than one and there's a lot of messed up stuff going on in this city um it's very heavy metal inspired it's very black metal inspired to a certain degree they don't touch on that but just from reading the preview and the materials that we got to prep for this one shot i'm like i'm like listening to emperor getting ready to oh, yeah. play this thing um oh yeah it's very it's very metal very, very cool, metal. what's cool about it is that you've got you've kind of got these two riffs at the very top and the bottom of this realm mm -hmm. right and you could essentially kind of like 
in the north where it's colder in the water there is a a giant kind of rift that's ripped open called the uh, called the well of souls yep. and it's your entry point into what's called the shade lands um and through down this river you go all the way into kind of where these ruins are and there's another rift and this kind of building that how that houses all of the patrons and how they come through called the scarlet hearth and essentially this city has kind of got one foot in the fey wilds and one foot in 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 the shade lands and, it, and it's so freaking cool that there's an ability to kind of have this dark fantasy setting where things can get pretty creepy indeed there's even the mad king correct yes i don't know if he's necessarily mad well he's he's TBD. trying to keep everything together <laughs> to be seen yeah, yeah. with uh, the way that the patrons interact with the warlocks and yeah. this pantheon and he's trying to kind of like he's he's almost he's almost cut a deal with all of the patrons right mm -hmm. like when everybody's got their own patron and uh this guy's trying to hold shit together in this realm by kind of having this this kind of agreement with with many i feel like he's this old man at the docks who's just ripped and he's got this huge inch thick rope and he's pulling in this leviathan under the docks he's got the big <laughs> one he's not yeah. using a fishing reel it's just but he's his muscles are starting to atrophy before him his hair is falling out and he's just losing sanity and the strength to keep this together and it seems like everyone's riding on this mm. but he could let go in any second i love that and he there's like this there's like this competition between him and the and the uh the knight's captain who essentially is kind of ruling the other side of the city the other yeah. city yep. the the yawn to the calf i think yonder is uh, I, I, it's like Yonder and Catharsis, I think, is are the two names. I could be screwing that up, but ultimately, there is this very personal um, struggle between those two. They don't like each other very much, mm -hmm. and there is a competition on on a very very personal level between the two of them, and they at the same time have also a vested interest in keeping things balanced in yep. the Shadelands, which is pretty damn fascinating. Like. It's not like, oh, I hate that other king and we're enemies for life. There's this kind of yeah. ongoing conflict. Thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's um Would you say they need each other? Hmm. To like, keep without one, because this is a warlock city, right? Yeah. There and this is kind of a unique thing. Anyone that comes here, the veil is thin and it's easier to access these patrons. Yeah. The way I see that this entire scenario is ripe for new adventures is other races trying to move in and get a piece of that pie or exploit this as a power resource. Yeah. Maybe certain creature races are threatened by this. So as much as that guy on the other side of the river is your rival, if you dethrone him and you have too much on your plate, yeah. are you really able to withstand the onslaught of what could be beyond your border? 
or are you a military expansionist and you've got this power behind you ready to steamroll the world like alexander the great <laughs> it's also it's it's kind of this place is kind of mecca in a way for mm. for for not just warlocks right like any anybody like if you if you're a ranger for example right you've obviously run into probably a couple of warlocks yep. but going to a place where um where patrons are are many and the opportunity to cut deals with these patrons are pretty plentiful no matter if you're a warlock or not um that's a pretty interesting place to want to go. If you're any kind of adventurer that is looking for something different, or if you are from a small farm, right? Like you mentioned before, right. and you want some place that will blow your mind, this is the place. The setting itself is cool. And I think that that Def Milk, you're talking about these very big political moves, uh, very big political plots, but it's the, for me, and this is just me, it's like the street level, the setting itself is what I find most most fascinating. Between the, between the Brutes Guild, um, where you can you know find a cell sword or muscle for hire, or the the place where you can go to trade patrons with somebody. I I don't want this patron anymore. I want to trade it out with another, right? Um, or even all the taverns. There's what 10, 10 different taverns yeah. that are described. Yep. I think it's right for the lowest of the low, the nobody. Like the farmer whose entire, like a seven samurai situation where you, your entire town got overrun and everyone was killed by bandits, but you, because you were in the outhouse or something, right? <laughs> and you're like, you're like 10. And you're like, I'm not strong enough to kick these guys' ass and get revenge. Yeah. I don't have the money backing like Bruce Wayne. I can't be Batman. This sucks. Well, <laughs> Just over that mountain, son, there's a place where you could get a patron. Yeah. Even yeah. as a nobody. And I'll do what it takes to get one and increase my power. I mean, that's pretty great. That's that's ripe for revenge story, a yeah. plot. A place where you can go as Good someone with horror. nothing to get a a step up in the world that you couldn't get anywhere else. Oh yeah. In the Forgotten Realms necessarily. Sorry, I was pulling this up because it was bugging me. So this two the, the cities are Yonder and Athrak. Athrak. And it's Athrak. uh the accursed king. <laughs> um Dorian controls Cathrak and then um Croy. The Croy, the night the night captain. The night captain controls the yonder side. But there's also the shield maiden, Fate, who kind of is the, the go-between. They both, both the knight captain and the king are like, hey, she's cool. And then you also have a serious entity advising the king. Well, uh, I, 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 I'd stop there. I am stopping there. It kind of reminds me of like, uh, there's, there's so much possibility with this, like with this module. There is. It's pretty cool. I think that there's a lot of um, opportunity to um, run, like, move an ongoing game into it. Yeah, like you run discover. From scratch. Yeah. 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 Because, uh, like, there's an easy way to just be like, well, y'all fell through the well of souls. 
Yeah, you're on the boat, you're traveling wherever, and you, you hit a storm, and all of a sudden your boat crashes. Because, like, as far as I understand, it's upside down, right? Yes. Like, you go through, like, if you're looking down, you're yep. looking at... You could have, like, a, a whirlpool, a massive whirlpool yeah. in the ocean that they get sucked into, and then they fall out of the sky from the Well of Souls into or the Shadelands. Or out of another whirlpool, like a little wormhole between two worlds. So I've got some ideas about that that I don't want to share here because I'd love to run it. Yeah. Well, that's, so that's my question. We yeah. thought we pitched the shit out of this game and everyone's already like, okay, we want to play it. Are you guys like, okay, I want to run Red Opera now, like at conventions or like online for people? I, I want to... I want to play it first. Oh, because I, well, we are <laughs> conveniently. I and 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 that's something that I I want to get a feeling for because I also have my own interpretations from what I've what I you know what we have all already seen, and it would be great to see it like in game, yeah. So that I can either like right set what I think or or mm-hmm. kind of fix my expectations of what the game is or not. Yeah. Um, and take it from there. But that said. The ability to have a party of all warlocks. I'm all about it. 100%. So, we kind of talked about Yonkath, Yonkath and different aspects of the game. What's the most interesting aspect of it besides warlocks to you? Uh, Def, go. Necromancy. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um honestly it's it's the the setting. Overall. I think the characters they they created for this are great. Yeah. Yeah. Um they stick out, they're memorable. Um the they're artwork people. and design, the music, everything about this is really cool. The shade lands and the setting has so much potential for story, no matter where it's set, right? You could set this anywhere. Um, I think you can get a lot of juice out of this orange. Oh yeah, I think the setting is my favorite aspect of it. It's it's different from a lot of what you experience. Um, it's kind of like it's kind of like um, modern day exploration, where it's like, what are the last unexplored aspects of our planet? It's like the deep Amazon, Antarctica, and like the deep ocean, and that's it. So it's kind of like a really cool thing to introduce very experienced D&D players to because they don't know what to expect going into it. Yeah, I'm 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 probably most excited about that too. Um and the culture <laughs> I'm I'm fascinated with the potential culture of this city. Mm-hmm. Um and and at the same time, there's like this this air of mystery. It reminds me a little bit of, I guess, if I were to put like a film analog to it, I guess, like the feeling, it would be like, uh, have you ever seen City of Lost Children? Yes. Yeah. There's a this like kind of creepy feeling to that city mm-hmm. that this this setting um, conveys to me. Um, I am also most excited for the ability of of other classes and and other types of of characters being able to engage with this world and make some real serious impact on the city like it's not just that oh the city is always going to be here 
mm-hmm. and everything is going to be fine. And no matter what, you might piss some people off and you can get run out of town, but whatever. Like there are, there seems to be from what it seems here um, that you could really make some serious impact on, I guess, the, the future and prosperity of Yon Kath itself. Yeah, I think what you said, along with um, mixing some of the other classes in with what's going on here, be very interesting. Yeah, that's um, like you mentioned uh, an all warlock party would be a really, you know, it's awesome. But coming into this as a barbarian has a whole different level of... Yeah, or as a druid who wonders what this is doing for the environment yeah or as a cleric who suddenly can't communicate with their deity or or as a a, or as a player in (laughs) a a party and you're the only warlock and as this warlock player there's only been a couple of times where it really mattered that you had a had a patron and now you get to take your other party members like welcome to my world folks and now there's something about that because when you play a warlock, and people who do play warlock know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, when you play a warlock, it's almost kind of like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. There's this page and they, this guy imaginary thing that he talks to every once in a while, um, and it could be either dark or kind of funny or whatever. But it never really is a, the central focal point mm-hmm. of the party dynamic, um, yeah. and it sometimes is even fallen on the wayside. It's mentioned once in the first session never mentioned ever again unless you're making certain spells or whatever um, or unless you ask the dm about it i want to talk to my patron uh okay uh fuck what's your patron again <laughs> i don't know they, they what told me to are you, you. <laughs> yeah they, they whisper into your ear listen to this man yeah and that's I think, all you get i think in later editions at least what i've played of D, the patrons are treated more like gods um yeah they're not on the same level because they're different um yeah. <sighs> But there's a certain level of respect for them. Like, unless your DM doesn't care about patrons and deities, they're going to know. They're going to be like, okay, well, your patron's the Feywild, or your patron is the Great Old One, or your patron is a demon. Okay, I can run with that. As opposed to... What? What, what is the... Hold on, let me check. Okay, so you communicate with, I'm going to use the most com- most well-known god because it's the only one I can think of off the top of my head, but like you communicate with Bahamut, what's his personality, yeah. what's his alignment and personality again? Like, I think that there's a certain, like, if you care about warlocks, you know a lot about patrons. If you don't care about warlocks, you're like, yeah, okay, whatever. Yeah, it's like they're paladins, but evil, right? <laughs> no, it's like clerics, but evil. That's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> right. It's uh, like, oh, okay, you're, you you talk to a god, but you're you're mm-hmm. gothy. Got it. Okay. <laughs> uh, um, Voodoo Arcade asks... Uh, I was about to get to that. Is the entire campaign story set in the city? Uh, so I don't know about the written campaign for Red Opera. It's not officially out yet. But I do know that the book does explore the Shadelands as a whole, which is beyond Yonkath. And there are multiple cities in in the Shadelands. Yes, there just, are. Yeah, there are other cities you can travel to. There's a there's wilderness in between. There's a lot of uh, really interesting things you can do in those areas. Um, 
one of the we were given a choice of multiple scenarios to play for our one shot this Saturday, and one of them specifically doesn't didn't involve Yonkath at all. So, and what's cool about it is it's a realm, right? Like this is the Shadelands are an entire realm, so it's not like just one city. And I imagine that the the core book will or the the module book will have multiple seeds and kind of ideas and, and things and features of, of the Shadelands that'll help GMs develop kind of their own corner of the Shadelands. Cause I know it's, it's a huge culture, like you said before, um, what did you call it? The, the um, uh, Loring, uh, home, lore homebrew or whatever. Homebrew like, setting. That's it. Um, those words, <laughs> the, uh, you know, making your own little, okay, what is, what is my place as a GM in the Shadelands? You know, is it a, is it a very creepy, very sparse area with like one castle and a giant graveyard? Right. right? Or is, or is it a big desert where, you know, patrons wander aimlessly? It's, it's, there's so many different things that you can do with this, I'm sure. Um, And I'm pretty excited to see what those extra other things are. It kind of has a little bit of like American God's vibe. Oh yeah. Big time. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't see it yeah. that way, but yeah, it does to a degree. Yeah. You, well, I mean, what do they say? There's a, there's a patron that lurks around every corner. Yeah. And all you have to do is, is make a deal with them. So I, I was going to mention this and then Rav stepped away for a minute earlier. I want to make sure you were here for this because Mark doesn't play as many video games. Yep. The way I see some of the patrons interacting in this is Oblivion, Elder Scrolls. Oh, yeah. The, f- the first murder you commit, you wake up and Lucian Lachance or whatever, that Dark Brotherhood assassin is standing above your bed and he's like, oh, you've got a. I like what you did there. You killed somebody. Want to cut a deal with you, bring you in. I imagine the patrons being like that. Like, yeah. oh, I saw I like you kick cut that your old gym. woman. <laughs> I, like you, I saw like the way you kicked that old woman and stole her bread because you were starving. You know? You want to kind of cut through that attitude I like, kid. Yeah. Want to make some gold press latinum. <laughs> <laughs> Brunt FCA. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> one thing I saw someone mention needing more patrons, and there are more patrons in the Red Opera. What, um, what types of patrons would you see? I would like to see better and more detailed descriptions of said patrons and what they're. I, how do I say this delicately? Patrons are two dimensional in, in five E. Oh yeah. They, um, Here's a paragraph. Yeah. <laughs> the the old ones. They're like Cthulhu, and you're like, okay. Um, yeah. Wait. Hold on. I haven't read any Lovecraft. What's that? Well, it's like a, it's like a, a Lovecraftian. It's fine. Just say it's the old ones. Um, but I, w- I would like to have like because well the, the the patrons are are they have they are making people do things. They're telling people to do things for very specific reasons. I would like to see a little bit of a description for GM of like, okay, um, well, w- what are my motivations as a patron what are they trying to really do what's the grand scheme they're not just like yeah make them do things there there's a reason why um and and i'd like to kind of see a little bit i only want one patron in the book (laughs) and i want it to be set 
Praise that. Um, Praise are that. you going to use that voice for your character on Saturday? I don't know if I could talk for an hour or two. <laughs> also, it'll derail the You have days game. to practice. It also might be slightly insensitive. Slightly whiplash. I think I can, actually. Yeah, yeah. You sound like yeah. Rusty Venture. <laughs> Rusty Venture, boy. <laughs> yeah. I could, like, twirl my little mustache. That would be great. That would be amazing. Oh. So I, I wanted to Google something real quick because I was curious. Here's the thing. Deities and pantheons have been in Dungeons and Dragons since first edition. Yeah. They have been there's tons of lore. Some of them there's died. Entire books dedicated to just cleric and paladin deities. What about patrons? Warlocks weren't even in first edition. I don't even think they were in second edition. I would have to Google okay. it because I don't remember. They, I think they uh, were they may have been four? introduced in No, they were definitely in third. Um they were at least in three point five. I didn't play third. Um I heard it was a shit show. But like yeah, here we go. The first official publication for Gods was in 1976. Yeah. There's never been a patron book. They're usually relegated to either a subsection of the Warlock class chapter, or they get a paragraph each when it's slightly more detailed. It is classist. Um, yeah, it's so weird because they've been around for so long, yet they want to... Give us more patrons. They want to they drape the war... They. Uh, there's no they. Uh, there's Which a culture... <laughs> Well, and not just Wizards of the Coast. I mean, ev everybody except yep. for Apotheosis right now wants to continue to drape warlocks in, in mystery, which I appreciate and I get. Yes. Uh, the, the kind of, like, dark robe. But give the dungeon entire... masters more material to work with to make them more compelling. But there right. is one. There's an entire book of amazing patrons, and it's called... Cult Divinity Lost. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Or Call of Cthulhu. <laughs> but that's that's well, I mean bestiary. <laughs> and and they've been relegated to this like Eldritch blasting. Hey, hey, punch do line. not just besmirch the Eldritch Blast. It is better. The best spell in all of D D. It's true. Is it D twelve? You get to like well, shoot four of them at a later D10. level. It's a D10. Uh, it depends on how you build your warlock. Well, I am using a D. Well, which you we have the same one, which is bolt. It's a D12. Well, that's not Eldritch Blast, though. I know, better. but better than. But they're in at least in fourth edition. I haven't played fifth. There were feats that increased the die you rolled for your Eldritch Blast. That's right. Up a die, yep. and then yeah, spell sniper. A blunt, but not even that one. But yeah, I think that's fifth edition. But like, there's you could just. I had a. I was. I was critting on 18th. Fourth edition. Yeah, rolling. I couldn't roll less than a 20 something for damage. So. Pretty damn good for those min maxers out there. That's it might be the best class. Uh, <laughs> let me just put it this way: there was a supplement for star packed warlocks in a dragon magazine, and it was amazingly broken. <laughs> And oh. I was allowed to use it for a character. <laughs> Irresponsible. Hold yes, on. but I, it was I have a, fun. I have a, jail, I have a jailbreak. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Child alert. Sh shame. <laughs> There's an amber alert in Connecticut. Child is out of bed. Just in Mark's house. Um, but yeah, no, I think, I think war, patron, warlocks are underserved um, in Dungeons & Dragons as a whole. I think that 
even if it was in a Dungeon Master specific book, maybe the Dungeon Master's Guide, having more descriptions of what patrons' personalities are, uh, giving more options for patrons, giving more not variety within the patron itself, like the great old ones. Okay. You know, I think we might be getting as some a, more, though. As a Call Possibly. of Cthulhu scholar, uh, which great old one? Because they're really different. Yeah, there's a lot and they grant very different powers. <laughs> True. So in November, there's a new D&D book coming out called Tasha's Guide to Everything. Yes, which and is, Tasha I believe, horror-focused. D- well, the horror-focused book is going to be Icewind Dale. Um, oh, right. The, the rhyme... Frost of the uh, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, something like that. Yeah, oh, oh, that one. Yeah. But the Tasha's Guide to Everything is kind of like another supplement book, like Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Cauldron of Everything, by the way. Cauldron of Everything. That's right. And after doing some like Forgotten Realms research, she was like a big deal character who was. Uh, she's a mixed bag, but she's cool. Yeah. And she wrote a, she wrote the Demonomicon or whatever in D anD. d canonically right yeah i think we're gonna get possibly some more patrons in that book i'm reading about right now (laughs) they're taking a lot of like remember um a couple months ago there was this thing about removing evil races in dnd uh yeah big thing on twitter Um, changing the 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 concept of race and how race is handled in dnd yes so they're doing that with this book where you can kind of customize what your pros and cons are depending on what your race is, which is cool. It's going to have a lot more functionality, a lot of interesting character variations. Um, but I think this book's going to be very like magic focused and it's obviously lore wise from her perspective, which I think is going to be great because it's a woman perspective who's a mm-hmm. mage. She's immortal. Yep. Yeah, done a lot of cool shit. Um, I think this good book is going to be well needed. I hope there's going to be more patrons in it. Yes, that would be really cool. I just pulled went to like the general description of it, and it doesn't mention. Other art too is yeah, very great. cool. They don't mention warlocks or patrons in the general description of it, but it's definitely magic focused. However, I did just pull up Icewind Dale: Rime of the Frost Maiden because I hadn't looked into it before, and it's literally described so as metal. Game of Thrones meets the Thing. So yes. that said, I will be looking at that book. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I knew that was going to be up your alley, and I was wondering if we wanted to do a fun thing with that. Mark, what you <laughs> so, missed was us talking about the fact that Wizards of the Coast is pitching the, their uh, Rime of the Frost Maiden book as Game of Thrones meets The Thing. It's horror. Really? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> What? So I can't wait, hold on. Game of Thrones meets the thing. I mean, that's like yes. just Game of Thrones, right? Mm, no. But better. Better. Well, much better. Interesting. So I want it and I want to play it. Yeah, well, which one of us is running it? Should we round robin like we talked about earlier? Mm-hmm. What? 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 what like going. Rotate DMs with one of the player characters switching into play- an NPC role. My player character dies when that happens. That's um, sh- that's a shame. That's a shame. That um, just means you're I, running it for the rest of the scenario. Oh no! How terrible! I can't. I can't balance both. I can't do the whole like, and then the NPC, which just also. Oh, you just have to get so drunk happens. in a tavern and pass out. 
Right. And yeah. all the rest of us do things, and we come back, and he's like, what a miss. Yeah, yeah, well, that's what will end up happening every time. Because it'll be I like, think. oh, okay, and he's a party member. It's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about him. Sorry, he's, he's with you guys, too. <laughs> this is a complete aside, but we need to talk about it very briefly. When you, Have you ever run for small groups of players and run storyteller player characters? Sorry, uh, NPCs. My brain went to World of Darkness because I've only primarily done it in World of Darkness. Like, as members of the Coterie or... Yes. yes. Okay. But you couldn't quite, do it quite recently with your own. Are you saying that that was your problem doing that? I killed them they, uh, on purpose because I can't. Interesting. I'm not good at it. Interesting. Yeah, I, I'm not good at it. I can't. I, I think that I'm going to say a bold statement, but this is just me being stupid. Um, I think it's selfish and stupid to uh, GM and also be a party member. Alternatively. If you are running a long-standing chronicler campaign with one player, well, yeah, that's, well, that's different. different. It's like a and one-on-one. The um, which is why I've done it. Yeah. So I, think I it's the essentials guide, the the other starter kit for D anD D. Yeah. Actually, has character cards that are NPC adventure sidekicks, mm-hmm. and I think yep. the new Tasha's book has more of them. Cool. From what I heard. Same. So yeah, you're in you. So let's say, I mean, I'm showing my kids how to play this game. There's only two of them. They need a bigger party. I can just bring out some of them to complement the other skills in the group and right. just keep the decisions and input to the direction of where they're going very minor. Yep. Yeah, no. Uh, have, have them be like temporary party members. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I mean, I, I technically did that with my VTM game that mm-hmm. I ran for some of the people on our server. I had a story player character named Cassie who was a Malkavian. And I never get to play a Malkavian, even though I'm deaf Malkavian. Because um, you never get to play. I never get to play. But she um, she was kind of a one-trick pony. She was all aspects. She had no demutation. They're just there to serve the story. Yeah. That's so she different. gave them some different tips. She mm-hmm. kind of set lookout for them a bit. But she had a lot of interesting narrative. And when my players would split in unusual ways, leaving one person alone, mm-hmm. they always had someone with them to help drive and talk to. Yep. Which as, helped as, tremendously. As yeah, a, I think, yeah, go ahead, sorry. <laughs> as opposed to what I think you were saying, which is having a GM who's playing a character in the campaign in order to play their own game. Uh, and, yeah. and, and in some cases, make sure it goes the way they want it to, which I know Rick has a lot of experience with as do I. <laughs> yes, that is the D, the DM or GM or storyteller that doesn't want to let their 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 character go, like mm-hmm. bro or madam or thatum. Make your let your character go away. You're a GM now. Like yeah. it doesn't matter. Let go. Right. Like there's a and, and you're right. I, and that's oh well. I think it comes. That's from... another part because you don't you you. It's almost like you're you're. You're gaming the system for your player character, and it's it's, it's very really masturbatory. weird. I, I think it, yeah. <laughs> I think that stems heavily from this is diverging into GM advice. Um, yep, the incorrect mindset that it's GM versus player, not collaborative storytelling. E, that's one of the reasons why I'm also not the biggest fan of D and D because culturally, but I think that, that attitude's changed quite a bit. I'm sure it's been a while since I played. Yeah, I think with Five E, 
even the I know the player's guide mentions it, but probably the DM guide too, that this is a collaborative game. Yeah. Um, the DM sets the world, the players react to it, but mm -hmm. I think there's a much stronger stress on that different relationship that it's not God with puppets trying to kill you. Yeah. It still like, can be totally people can. Yeah. Some people just are that way when they run games, mm -hmm. but I, I think they intentionally wrote it with a language for new people who are playing or running that this is a fun game we can have together. Yeah. I know vampires done a freaking great job with that in the core mm -hmm. about story player characters, about how the storyteller literally is another player, just different kind. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I think that's that that is that stipulation of V five is great because it's like it gives you. We all play these games and and we all get it. We all come up with a player character. We get really attached to this person and and we love them and we like them and we're excited about the adventures that they've been on and we want to tell everyone about the games that we played with this one character and we want to make sure that this person is it also has an opportunity to get more of those experiences. But what V5 does is like, okay, here's the deal. You're not just one character. Like you're all the characters that are not the players. And so they all have their own life experiences and they all wanna be a part of whatever adventure or whatever misadventure is there. So there is a stipulation there that, and I feel like vampire is very specifically not a culture to do that. I think d and I've only seen it in, with D&D DMs going, well, my player character is also going to be part of the party as well because I want to play too. But it's like you are playing; you're a GM. You're playing. playing. You're playing yeah. hundreds of characters. Yeah, you're. Yes. Give them personality. Right, right. Care about all of those as much yeah. as you care about that one. There's a, I, this comes down to, and I think we've moved away from this so dramatically, um, thanks to uh, tabletop RPGs in general becoming more mainstream. But it's yeah, yeah, yeah wooden story wooden gms being like it's a monster fight it cool yeah. here's some loot all right now you go into the next room and there's a different have? monster fight it oh yeah. there's a trap as opposed to storytelling yeah like oh i go off the trail there's nothing there keep walking stay on the trail but that's where i wanted to go see this rail you are now attached to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, and, and Get in the right. wizard van. <laughs> this is Star Fox, not X-Wing versus <laughs> TIE Fighter. <laughs> but that's a, you're, you're right, though. There is a... I keep saying cultural, and there's like a cultural shift. I mean, there are more people playing. There are m many different types of DMs. And mm -hmm. I know online there's a lot of interesting conversations and a lot of positive conversations on, like, hey, there is no wrong way to play this. We're all just having a good time. And also, you know... Just try to be better, try to do better, and, and make sure everyone's invited at your table. But like, it it, it is the wooden storytelling and wooden GMing is frustrating as a player, and it's got to be frustrating as a GM too. I hope I'm not wooden. Am I wooden? No, you're a fantastic storyteller. You have great have grandmas. Yeah, you do. You play got, wonderful grandmas. I've got grandmas and spades. No, um, no, you you do uh like. Your NPCs are great. You do a Thanks. really good job. Um, you can tell they have, yeah, description. Right. Well, yeah, they, have, I, they have motive. They don't feel hollow. 
I would be afraid of that, like players walking away and being like, well, <laughs> all right. That was kind of on the rails, I guess. Uh, Oren Lou in the chat says, at best, I'm particle board. <laughs> well, listen, there's particles. So you're made up of multiple pieces. You're made of star stuff. It's just mostly wood pulp. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, sawdust is what I meant, not star stuff. <laughs> We're all made of sawdust. We are. That's true. We're all, yeah, actually, that's, never mind. Mostly Not getting into that because that's, that's a game I'm running soon. Um, Nothing. Uh, Secrets on podcasts make bad podcasts. Listen, we might have a special Halloween charity stream coming up. That's all oh, I'm yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, it's secret. Mm-hmm. Don't tell anybody. Don't tell anyone about it. Um, we might like Halloween. Yeah, we might like Halloween and we might have special guests. Anyway, um, <laughs> there's a there's one thing I definitely wanted to touch on here, which is... Um, in, in, in part inspired by the Red Opera, um, I think that based at, uh, based on what I just said, exploring themes isn't as common in D anD. d is it's because you're you, there's so much world building in D anD. d that you have this world to explore. Whether or not you're using a homebrewed world or using one of the uh, you know Forgotten Realm Farin. They run from Forgotten Realms or Greyhawk or Everon. Um, or I can't remember where Strahd is from, but Ravenloft. Um, Ravenloft. Like, you have these awesome worlds that are already built to explore. So people don't do what they do in, or at least what we do, in, like, Cult and Vampire, which is, I want to play with these themes. I want to yeah. explore themes of loneliness and uh, isolation in a straw just needs a friend cult yeah. game <laughs> he has yes. many friends he's he's having guests for dinner he know, is. <laughs> um so i why think why is that play empty because you're the man <laughs> <laughs> Strahd is now um what is it That's the guy from when he's gangster Sex predator like, yeah see you'll never catch me i'm strong no, no, see no. The, yeah the how to catch a predator guy i really want to see someone chris play Stroud that way now <laughs> oh he's chris yeah, hansen it's, it's chris hansen look at my castle one day i was here hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's Stroud. see in your email uh to dracula lover 499 <laughs> now why why is everyone in your party only wearing towels <laughs> did we arrest you last week <laughs> <laughs> See, we 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 <laughs> we had this dwarf pretend that she's a <laughs> underage elf. Anyway, this is, this is devolving into uh, they came from beyond the grave. Thank you. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, if you want to run a comedy horror game, uh, no, um, I think that one way people can introduce horror to their D and D games very seamlessly is to introduce a. It doesn't matter if you're playing in Faerun or Ravenloft, but like if you. Ex- tell the players up front that you want to explore different themes with the game. Um, like what I mentioned, like loneliness, isolation, uh, body horror, um, things of that nature. You can set up your campaign to be more terrifying or and more suspenseful. Yes, because the setting is exciting. Um, but setting here's, is... a hard, here's a hard truth. Um, the setting, no one is going to be more excited about the setting than you as a GM. 
So you have to take that into consideration, yep. especially if it's homebrew. It's you, you worked very hard on this and congratulations. You, and it's beautiful. And it's a, it's a, it's a piece of art that you've created this livable space of all these things happening. And all you have to do is just walk and tour a party through at all the cool things that you built, but ultimately they're going to walk by that awesome building that has all the cool stuff going on that you develop over four days and sleepless nights. And they go, Oh, that's cool. What's next. And you're, you're going to be slightly disappointed if your entire scenario is going to be, or campaign is, is going to be really just a tour of your setting involving story and themes and having that be the focal point. Those are the things that are going to be um, pulling your, your, your players in the setting after you've done all that is going to catch them. They're going to find something interesting. You're going to come up with an mm -hmm. NPC and they're going to go, Oh my God, I love that tavern or Holy shit. That castle was creepy as hell. Yep. And it's the story that's going to make them give a shit about the setting. Exactly. And you have to, you have to establish themes and tone in order mm -hmm. to create a story. Uh, yep. One thing you mentioned, I just want to throw this out there. There is a game for those of you who want to play that other game. We're going to call it Tourism, the RPG. <laughs> I lived in Florida. That Flying was my simulator. life. <laughs> it's, it's Tour Guide Simulator. <laughs> Look also, at all these beautiful things. Please don't touch. It's called <laughs> Google Street View. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, like... You're not playing Tourism the RPG. You're not Tour Guide the RPG. This is It's a game meant to tell a story. Whether it's Dungeons yeah. & Dragons or Cold of Darkness or... I keep going back to like Ten Candles and Cult, but those are like two of the ones that are top of mind for me right now. So Ten Candles and Cult. Um, <laughs> it's it, it's also like I you may have two, character, two NPCs that are in heavy conflict with each other, and if your party doesn't give a shit about that, you gotta move on, man. Yeah, yeah. come up with something. I really like... That there are some games like Alien, which make you pick a buddy and an adversary. Yeah, it's a really I, cool concept. Yeah, I, that should be like every session zero for every game. Well, also, I mean, Vampire kind of does that too. Yeah, in a way. these days with the relationship map and all that. Also, we're 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 three guys on three white guys on a stream giving advice about D and D. So obviously take everything that we say with a grain of salt because speaking of that, another wonderful thing about the renaissance of tabletop role-playing games is that we have women writers, people of color, mm -hmm. people yep. who are disabled or live in all different parts of the world. And those cultures and those views are being expressed in tabletop role-playing games, yeah. including in the very books we read now, which is awesome. And I'm sure that having everything being from a wooden GM or a storyteller, dungeon master pulling the strings to more of a collaborative approach is likely because of those barriers kind of falling down. Yeah. Or maybe those people came to the table because there weren't as many gatekeepers. Yeah, you're so right, man. No. That's, that's so true. Can I touch on something that I really want to see in I guess. Shadelands? Mm, I mean, I, sure. I, I, I mean, I don't have to. No, I, I, I want to know. Fuck you, Death Shoot Mouth. the class and get out. I want to see a fucking <laughs> combat wheelchair in the Shadelands, because that's going to be badass. Fucking oh, Warlock rolling around. Fucking Warlock Warlock rolling around, just being like, fuck you. With the spike like, wheels? Eldritch Blast-powered wheelchair. Can, can we make that happen on our game? Why that's not? up to you, Mark. I Yeah, I want my <laughs> goblin... To be in a combat, you should have a, one of your leg. No, one of your legs is a unicycle wheel. 
Well, just now, now we're getting a little gimmicky, which is fitting, but still. <laughs> like what? Like the Wheelers from uh, A Return to Oz, or or like Darkwing a true Duck. horror movie. Was it Darkwing Duck that had the guy with one? What wheel? about the Wiz? Great movie. It was good. <laughs> Return Dark to Wheel. Oz is horror though, straight horror. Oh yeah. Also, a little nod to Alice in Wonderland in the very beginning. It's true. Little blonde girl in the. I don't know if I've seen this. You should watch. Uh, oh it. God, it's Fruzabulk. It's amazing. Terrifying. Yeah. Hmm. Really what good. Are we talking. What were we talking about? I'm sorry. Um, uh, horror. Diversity. Yeah, we were actually talking about diversity, and that's why I was like, "Hold on a minute. I want to. I want to cut that little chair up in here." <laughs> yeah. I I don't want to break Red Opera before we even play it. No, we but shouldn't. I, no, but, but I, I, here's the deal. I do want to play Morkborg. And they did post the. Did. Uh, combat wheelchair, which, which looked dope on their Twitter. Um, maybe on our Gehenna Gaming Twitter, we can. I'll find it and retweet it. It's, it um, we did, so it's in there somewhere. But yeah, no, I'm saying, cool. like, I think that like, there's conceptually so many interesting things that the Red Opera is doing differently with Shadelands. Taking a concept like that, which was designed for standard D&D, you can go in a weird warlock patrony direction with it that would be really interesting. And it's not weird. It's normalized. Warlocks are normalized in the Red Opera, and I really, really like that. I like that. I like the idea of, like, I don't know. I've said this before. I'm belaboring the point. But, like, you're, you're kind of taking your other party members into this, like, oh, this is – and this is our creepy warlock. And then this the is where warlock. the weird kid lives? Yeah. Oh, I bet his parents cook weird food. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it, oh, licorice in your – Mashed potatoes. But I'm a warlock, so it's black licorice. <laughs> and that's a stream. <laughs> I'm not responsible for these two. <laughs> Sorry, that's the uh, that's, that's the black so tea good. talking. <laughs> oh, that's really funny. Anyway, <laughs> trying not to laugh. Oh, I can see you trying to hold it in. And this is what our entire car ride from Massachusetts to uh, Philly for Pax Unplugged was like oh, the entire way. It, again. it was a good time. We will yeah, next, really year. next year. Next year. Uh, so, the Red Opera. We've talked about it quite a bit. Yes. Watched on Kickstarter today. Day already, one. Already funded. They're going to be announcing some really cool stretch goals soon. Amazing very excited judges. there's gonna be some really cool ones from what i've heard so um you should definitely check it out i'm gonna drop that in chat again yeah the, the redopera.com uh there's a link in the for the kickstarter directly in the chat um it is fully funded but there are still stretch goals so if you have not um picked it up go for it there's a pdf mm -hmm. that you can pick up if you if you are tight mm -hmm. on money i know a lot of people are i know i am um, there is a $2,000, I want my character, I want to sponsor everything, and I want it all, and, and all sorts of little um, little tiers in between. So oh, yeah. there's a whole album yeah. you can find on, on Spotify, like made that. by a bunch of very, very cool yeah, people. Yeah, I want to listen to that. Yeah, it's fantastic. I was listening to it today. It, it's great. There's, it's, uh, it's metal, it's Warlocks, it's the Shadelands. Now I just want to buy a van with a wizard on the side of it. My God, 
Yeah. Ooh. Is there what kind of like we should have a vehicle? Some dice. On Saturday. Ooh, the official yeah. Gehenna Gaming Wizard Van. Yeah, we should. We we need like an official Jack Gehenna carpet. Mm-hmm. With yeah. like black lights. There's like black lights. Have a good night, folks. We're gonna be signing <laughs> off now. <laughs> We're in uh, the fucking stream. <laughs> <laughs> I am vetoing all of these ideas. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, no, it's fine. It's fine. This is um, me and me and Def Malkavian are going to have our own Gehenna Gaming Wizard Van, and you won't be allowed inside. You could. Are going to be blackjack could... and hookers? Yeah, well, it's a, it's a wizard van. Of course, it's going to be hookers and blackjack. <laughs> <laughs> um, no. this will be. This is our first time really talking about Dungeons and Dragons, and it was a very uh, interesting conversation to have with these two. So. Like I said, I enjoyed it. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed it as well. Did consider subbing or supporting us in other ways. It helps us out a great deal and helps us keep doing what we are doing in the times that we live in right now. So, hope everyone is well. Has a good night. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Gehenna Gaming Podcast. Your attention has been noted. You can find us online at GehennaGaming.com, on Twitter at GehennaGaming twitch.tv slash Gehenna Gaming and patreon.com slash Gehenna Gaming.